Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott. Hey, yo. Is that his younger brother? It's gonna be Jeff. The cream rise to the top for you. And you're listening to all of the great action figures from our good friends at Hasbro. The fully postable. Have your own WrestleMania with all your favorite figures. Wrestling figure. He told separately from LJN. Podcast. And we are the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. <laughs> Welcome to a special interview with former All Pro Wrestling Internet Champion, Vendetta Pro Tag Champ, the Hidden Gem, Matt Carlos. Matt, how you doing on this wonderful Sunday? I am doing really good. And uh, first off, I want to say thank you for having me on a, a version or this episode of the longest reigning episodic <laughs> wrestling figure podcast out there, the leading force. <laughs> and wrestling figure uh podcasting entertainment uh, and no i don't think that's offensive when you guys say that i love it for all the callback fans you know it's great thanks man yeah it's just, it was just something that came to me like when you know just sitting at work you know sometimes you get bored you have down moments and it's just something that just comes <laughs> to you you know you think of the most random stuff at the most random times and that was what happened and stuff but i do have to say before we jump into the show that you are the very first guest, and right now I'm holding up my Bang Energy drink to you. Oh, baby. <laughs> that I have drank a Bang with. So uh, from Alameda, California to, I think you're in you, Fremont, Union City? Uh, Fremont right now. Uh, originally Union City, now residing in Fremont. <laughs> I am holding up my Bang Black Cherry Vanilla to you and oh. cheersing you. Cheers. I got my uh, Rainbow Unicorn, my fave. Here you go. Ah. Uh. Thanks, man. Thanks. So I have to go back to your APW days because cool. I, when did you start at All Pro Wrestling? Okay, so uh, the actual training part for me uh, started uh, July uh, in the July camp of 06. So I started July camp 06. I went to I finished that first six months. From then. You're supposed to go into the semi-pro class, or you do the beginner class again, depending. Uh, I was set to go move on to the semi-pro class, but because how everything worked out with work and my scheduling and stuff, um, I kind of couldn't make it. So I'd still be around, like doing training when I could and refing, but I wasn't like fully on for at least six months after I initially started. Mm -hmm. So uh, once I got back in, I was training to be a ref under uh, Tom Caster. I was uh, back in training, doing like four days beginners class and semi-pro class. And then I was doing a healthy mix of that until about 2008 in November when I debuted. Because back in the day, like he at least had like two hours, not two hours, but like two years, a year and a half of training before you hopped in the ring and uh, got in there. But I know times are a little different now and things have sped up here in 2020. Mm -hmm. But back in uh, 2000 and uh, 2008, that's kind of the deal it was. So uh, after about two years of training and doing refing and stuff, I had a little storyline with uh, Chris Chris Cole, Chris Colleone of the Mafia, mm -hmm. where uh, he thought maybe as a ref I was kind of dissing him or causing him to lose all his matches when uh, 
you know, it could be argued that it was uh, his own doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, he blamed me, blamed me. And one time he just got fed up with me and uh, grabbed me, kicked me, beat me up, then tossed me out of the ring. And uh, it was a pretty nasty bump because, you know, you've been to the APW garage in Hayward back in the day. Yep. The chairs are all right there. The fans are all right there. Yep. Uh, And he kind of threw me without too much warning for the fans. So I went flying, uh, flying into at least the second row. And I remember my foot definitely like damaged one of those steel chairs that were uh, (laughs) laying in the second row but uh, at least they moved out of the way so thank goodness yeah I remember the good old days of the APW garage man so I started going there in 96 so that's right I I was there with modest Chris Cole um, Donovan Morgan Frank Murdoch a lot of those names uh, back then, Robert Thompson, Boyce Legrand. Actually, oh, Boy- yeah, that's so rad. Uh, dude, the days back then were – it was amazing. Vic Rimes, Gigolo Steve Ravonzo. I could go on and on about the roster yeah, that they had. Yeah, sure. But uh, it was so much fun. And to kind of give you guys an idea, it was this little warehouse that maybe held – if you packed it in right, you could probably fit maybe about 175 if you packed it right. Yeah, with the garage door open, yep. the chairs running to the outside. <laughs> yep, exactly. And so the garage was just this little warehouse. It had a balcony where back in the day, Modest and Donovan used to live upstairs. And they would stack seats up there as well. They would have a DJ. Uh, it was just yeah. such a great time back then. And that's when we transitioned from fans to also doing video for them. Because we were also high school kids that were doing video and audio like editing and stuff like that and roland alexander pulled us aside because we wanted to do a documentary on all pro wrestling and i wish i were i knew where that tape is but you know it's 23 years ago so (laughs) but (laughs) you know that i think that was like always a rolling thing is when you started training you had to at least go about a year year and a half like you said times have kind of changed since then but I i always remember roland always holding the kids back till maybe about a year or a year and a half after training. I think the only one that I think might have been sped up was Vic Grimes. Yeah, that's true. I know there are a couple guys who's, you know, just because everything was there, the the look, the presence, the uh, the actual physical part of it, uh, as far as, like, bumping uh, was there. I know, uh, like, and I'm sure you know Dave Dutra. He's yep. shot through there uh, mm-hmm. with a little bit of prior training, but uh, he, like, shot through the boot camp and was such a star from the get-go. Were you were you trained by Dave Dutra? Uh, actually, I was, like, the class that came in right before him. Okay. Because uh, I know Dave did training at APW, too, but uh, I was uh, in the class of 08. I believe he started in 09, maybe, something like that. Okay, gotcha. Um, He's also in the class with like Jody Christofferson uh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, came up with guys like that. But we were all really close. And uh, the kind, of, kind of the way it worked out was like you're so close in the form of like where you were with semi-pro to the beginners. And like you find out these guys love wrestling just as much as you do. So we were like all pretty much the same class, I would say. So Will Hobbs in there, too. I throw him in there. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, did anybody else love wrestling figures like you did? Um, Not that I know of. Well, I would say now I think people do because especially I think even guys have stories of figures because of like maybe even doing backstage work or like uh, like we we're talking about with uh, AJ Kirsch and Dave Dutra when they did their uh, extra work 
for the WWE, they had the uh, Yolo County titles, and now that's yep. actually in figure form as well. Yep. So that'd be a nice <laughs> little pickup to have, you know. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to do. Uh, remember when Braun Strowman had the big cello thing that he uh, initially broke himself, and then eventually broke over Elias's back. Uh, we did a little EMT work for that, and uh, they actually ended up doing a figure of uh, Braun Strowman with the cello, so I got one of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> I always like asking the question if any other wrestlers uh, collect figures. Like, I was talking to Tony Vargas, and he, you know, he, he collect figures, and he's all about it right now. You know, he's doing some awesome figure photography, and uh, I knew about you collecting figures, but I always like to hear when you're backstage or you're in the locker room, does anybody else collect figures or, you know, or is it kind of like a secret, Hey, you collect figures, you know, kind of side, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. I think it's definitely like not going out and uh, announcing to the world, but I do know there's a, probably a good healthy amount, maybe less than five that I know of, but like I've seen guys post like sharing figures with their kids or, Oh, I just pulled this out of my garage. Look what I found. So mm -hmm. I know there's probably a good handful of uh, good brothers out there who are also uh, fig brothers. <laughs> so when did your figure collecting start? All right, cool. Here we go. So uh, as far as I can <laughs> remember, uh, my first uh, figure experience came with that Hasbro blue ring, uh, rounded turnbuckles first off. And uh, the first ones I had were the green suited million dollar man and uh, Brutus the barber. Um, so I remember having those two first mm -hmm. and uh, ne I never had LJNs. I didn't even really uh, know or see what they were until I got into my teen years to figure out what they were. But uh, yeah, I started off with Hasbro's and uh, never really a big uh, completist because uh one of the cool ways it worked out for me, well, not really cool, unfortunate, but kind of a happy accident. Like my parents were divorced, so uh, that was unfortunate, but mm -hmm. uh, kind of a little thing they would like to do on the weekends is like, you know, dad to pick me up. We go across the bridge to Daly City and stop at a Toys R Us on that side. And then we go <laughs> home and he'd drop us off with mom. And then before the weekend's over, mom would hit us up and, you know, take us to like KB, see what's over there. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, never definitely never had like every figure we wanted but uh, for the ones I did have uh, definitely holds a sentimental value into it uh, into collecting today still that was early on toy spotting for you yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, those are the days man like we, like you just mentioned KB toys toys R us you know one day it would be head out to for at least for us it was Stone Ridge Mall and then head over to KB. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, out in the Pleasanton area, you just go over the overpass, make a right, and then Toys R Us was right there next to Mervyn's. So <laughs> it, it, those were the days, man, because you would hit up KB Toys, you get some figures there. You know, they would have the red pen three for ten, and then you go yeah, over to yeah. yep, then you go over to Toys R Us, and they may have something that KB Toys didn't have. It was just, I love those days, man. It's just it brings back such happy memories and nostalgia reigns supreme over here with Scott and I, but. It's that happy feeling of, okay, we're going to this toy store. We're going to this toy store. Okay, we got to go to Target. All right, we got to go to Walmart. Okay, back to oh, this toy sure. store. You know. uh, so you started out with Hasbro's, and you said you didn't get all of them. Have you gone back and collected a, quite a few of them? Uh, you know, that's the funny story. There have been a certain few that like have been kind of fun finding out in the wild. That's like, oh, well, I can't believe this is out in the wild. I found it. Like, uh, <laughs> 
there's a nice collectible antique store over in Fremont, uh, over in Niles. Um, it's a little collectible store. The name escapes me now, but hopefully I'll remember later. But uh, uh, it's over in Niles, and they had a Andre the Giant Hasbro, ten bucks. I was like, oh man. So when you find a deal like that, it's like, no, I didn't have this when I was a kid, but having this now for the deal I found it, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't. And also, I've kind of like amongst the years lost uh, a couple of figures. Uh, long story short, my brother got mad at me, and to get revenge, he like hit all my figures, and I never really got them all back. So, uh, oh, no. you know, a little hot, a little hot about that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I did find a few and have been able to come across a couple, uh, but haven't gotten them all. But uh, close to kind of where I got, and then a few extras like the Andres that I never had, or. Uh, a couple extras like those that are pretty fun to have now. That's one where you look back at your brother and you're just like, you son of a... <laughs> you know? Oh, totally. And then the other uh, moment like that was uh, my brother, uh, you know, me and Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior Wrestling Buddy, you know, with that nice little championship on it. We're having a little match and my brother decides to do a run-in. Uh, but he he brought a weapon, but that weapon was a plastic knife, you know, and that... Uh, that plastic knife went straight through those threads and ruined that uh, wrestling buddy for me. And we had to toss it out. So. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I wish in my mind I just kept it, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we lost that one. So now it's just me and Mach. <laughs> Macho King wrestling buddies. But uh, I think my, actually my other brother's got the uh, Hulk Hogan one. But uh, I, I know I've only got the macho now. Did you ever used to do anything crazy with your wrestling figures, like for your fig fed or anything like that? Uh, you know, I think just the typical things, nothing too crazy. You know, I always do, uh, I have my setup, I have my aisle way, you know, and then I always have the matches lined up in a card with the good guys on the left side of the aisle and the bad guys on the right side of the aisle. And then I, you know, walk the guys on down, um, craziest things I can remember, like finding the best ways to tie off the belts for a ladder match or doing something like that like my aunt had a piano i tried to do like a ruler and a piece of string or try to find a piece of string and tape long enough from all the way down to the ceiling but sometimes i'd never hold too good <laughs> uh, and i'd say the craziest thing is, as far as the fix that goes is like i have this great idea of a ladder match inside of a cage match <laughs> and like i'm still surprised i haven't done that in wwe you know but, uh, <laughs> Oh, I love hearing the creativity, man. It's, it's just something that I love because, you know, and, and you've heard this a gazillion times, Scott and I were vanilla, but the imaginations that we had as kids, especially 90s kids, oh, yeah. you, you know, just sitting there and it's like, okay, I've got my ring, I've got my figures, what am I going to do? And your mind just starts going and going and going. And, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, like you just said, you have a ladder match inside of a cage match. You know, it's like it's like a chicken stuffed with a duck and a turkey. You know, it's like a turducken, you know, <laughs> but, yep. but like that's that's awesome because the imagination we had to do something like that just ran wild back then. You know, that's that's something I love hearing from collectors. For sure, especially and I think in our generation, too, because where we came up and we're still, you know, kind of believe in it's all real and you know these guys are really heroes to us you know we're not growing up and looking online and oh no and wrestling's fake you know like these are legit real life heroes that weren't superheroes but were real life heroes yep so to have that and like to not even have in the fact of your mind like oh this guy's really you know 
Mark Calloway, he's not the Undertaker, you know, like to just think he's the Undertaker and where your imagination goes from there, you know. Yep. Uh, yep. Definitely a benefit of growing up when we did, you know. Oh, yeah. Us 80s kids were afraid of the Iron Sheik or Kamala or, and then the 90s. Oh, for sure. Papa Shango, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like you said, it had that believability. When you were younger, did you have a lot of friends that collected wrestling figures? I had a couple friends that watched wrestling, and I think we all had those friends that were, like, in and out of, like, wrestling. Yep. Uh, and, like, maybe not as into wrestling for as long as you were, but somehow got the all the coolest figures, you know? Um, so I had a couple who would collect, but never, like, did any uh, training or anything like that. Now that I think about it, I probably could have, but never did. <laughs> training before the uh, internet, huh? Oh, for sure, right? And I was also one of those kids who were like, you know, well, you know, wrestling, a little nerdy, you know, probably playing with wrestling figures a little past, you know, and okay acceptance, you know. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like we said, it just got those creative juices flowing. And I'm sure a lot of people have said this before, too. It's like when, you know, you aren't with those friends, you do have, you know, these friends. And, you know, they're always there for you. And they're always uh, right where you want to be. And uh, no matter how many things in the world changes around you, at least you always know you had your fix, you know, at the end of the day. Yep, exactly, <laughs> man. So after Hasbro's, did you start collecting any WCW figures or did you go to Jack's BCAs or anything like that? Um, so as far as that went, I did have the random like WCW, like the Hogan and then the Sting. Only uh, issue with those were like, I had those and they kind of transformed characters at the time from, you know, uh, immortal Hulk Hogan to Hollywood Hulk Hogan and, you know, mm-hmm. regular surfer sting to the crow sting. So that's what I got to keep updated. So I think we all like, you know, grabbed our black Sharpie and drew in the beard for Hogan and yep. put on the crow makeup for sting. And, uh, and then once that all started, the black Sharpie started turning purple, I started scratching it <laughs> off. So, you know, it kind of ruined those figures a little bit. But uh, also, too, I've been lucky enough to find that sting again. Not the Hogan yet, but uh, I have found that sting and the purple flare at that same antiques shop in Fremont. Mm-hmm. And then I did end up going into the BCAs. And that was a Christmas where I didn't even know they were coming out. I had never seen anything in a catalog. I have, you know, we didn't have internet very, or a very advanced internet at the time then. So uh, it was Christmas, uh, and my uncle got me some socks. But under the socks, it was uh, Vader and Shawn Michaels and the Glow in the Dark Undertaker, uh, also the Ring. So uh, I mean, uh, after you've seen all those and. And that was the attitude ring. So it came with everything. It came with those catapults that nobody really used. It came with the cage, and you could put it into a carrying case. Although I never put it into a carrying case, I always left it propped (laughs) up. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, So after that, like not even knowing these things were around, and um, the fact that they can move, like doing a super kick, easy suplexes, and actually hooking, like you could get it in there, like. I thought BCAs were like the coolest thing. I know it's not like, uh, as far as the wrestling community, not the best uh, figures or the most accuracy, but I kind of think that's like the fun in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want like to fancy everything that looks super detailed, just like it, go for the go for the elites for sure. But like, if you just want like a fun play around, you know, throw them beat around toy, like. 
BCAs are where it's at and the expressions are fun and the arms and legs move just fine, you know? Yep. Um, you went from Hasbro's to BCAs and you're like, cool, we got wrestling figures again, but why do they look like this? Like you just said, there were fun beat around guys, you know, just, just like LJNs were back in the day, you know, paint loss and all that stuff aside, you, they were, they were fun. They were just these big hunk of rubbers that you could just throw around and, you know, beat up and stuff like that. And same thing with the BCAs. Some would hold up, some would like Scott mentioned uh, numerous times that he had a razor Ramon whose ass fell off a couple times, but <laughs> you know, but they were, like you said, they were fun, beat them up guys. And, they were fun for a lot of kids because of that. And they were able to wrestle with them a little bit rougher than it, than other figures in the past. Yeah. And also I think it's like the nostalgia too, of the time of like, like today, boom, go on eBay, you get any figure you want from any series there is. But back in the day, you know, before then it was maybe you know, the LJNs, maybe some Harris bros, but like uh, there's that little dry spell of no wrestling figures. Yep. And then here come BCA, so it's like, I'll take what I could get, you know, yep. give me that, yep. that LOD, give me the, uh, <laughs> all of the, like, even though they have the funny upper bodies, but they still had the cool chest pads, so that was cool. Um, I think the only time I really thought they were a little off is when I saw that Psycho Sid and the uh, funny chapped lips he had, but <laughs> I, other than that, like, I, I, I never really even thought the BCAs looked all that bad until, uh, until I saw on the internet, like about six months ago, people weren't thrilled with them. <laughs> <laughs> no, did you go on the hunt for that Steve Austin? The I think it was Series 4 Bad Boys series? Uh, that's actually one I've never gotten. That's the Black Trunks, Black, uh, Black Tights playing Austin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him on the back of other ones, like uh, where they show everyone who was coming up, but I never was able to see him in the store. Um, but the one I was able to get was the one with the like updated championship series. I believe it's the Austin with the jean shorts and the vest, mm -hmm. blue title, rock with the pants and the purple intercontinental. I think the outlaws with the tag titles. Yes. Uh, and so that was my Austin because, you know, he never was really doing matches. He's just doing run ins and stunning people anyway. So <laughs> you know, that was the more of the Austin I used uh, for BCAs. So I've been seeing on your Twitter, your Instagram, that you were all in on those TNA Marvel figures that came out in about oh six oh seven around then. Oh, for certain, and just as a broader statement, I was like all in on TNA since like I found out about TNA back in the day. You know, you had the dirt sheets, WrestleZone, you know, Steve's World of Wrestling, whatever it was. You went on, you know, <laughs> yep. and then. Uh, I didn't know every every week you'd be hearing about these pay-per-views, these Wednesday pay-per-views. I'm like, dude, what is this? What is this? And then you hear they got, you know, Jeff Jarrett. You hear they got Raven. You, you know, you always keep on hearing this new guy, AJ Styles. AJ Styles. Who's this AJ Styles, you know? Mm -hmm. So then, like, I think one time uh, we were getting, like, dish installed, and then TNA was running commercials promoting their pay-per-views i was like oh i have to find out about this mm -hmm. um and it's just so different pace with the x division and the, some of the mid-card guys you love in wcw or wwe you're finally getting the shot to be the top guy so i always love that aspect uh, i'm not gonna lie there is definitely a lot of questionable weird stuff that they do do in tna mm -hmm. as far as those gimmicks like in the asylum years but uh mm -hmm. um 
for the past year or so, I've been on that Impact Plus app and uh, been watching TNA from the beginning. And right now I'm at like 2004, beginning of 2004. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, man, it's a pretty hot show. Like, I know people hate on TNA, but uh, you think about the people who came out of there, you know, Styles, Samojo, uh, Motor City Machine guys, all those guys. It was great TV watching. Not all of it. But most of it is all really good. <laughs> CM Punk was also on there a few times, too. Yeah, he's actually right on there now. It's him and Julio De Niro, and they try to back up Raven, and uh, Raven's kind of pulling away kind of a deal. But, uh, yeah, that's what's going on right there now. <laughs> yeah, the uh, that was so much fun. Uh, my buddy used to come over, and what we would do is every Wednesday when the pay-per-view was on, it was only 10 bucks, so 40 bucks a yeah. month. We would sit down, get pizza, and we would watch TNA. And it was on from, like six to eight or five to seven or something like that yeah perfect time right? yep prime time right there 10 bucks feels Can't... like the old days <laughs> yep yeah, exactly i know now you look back you're like oh crap that was 16 years ago <laughs> you know? yeah but yeah that was a lot of fun back then for those tna days and just who else came out uh lance hoyt came out of there or like, he did as Dallas, yep. as Kid Cash, you know. Yeah, those were um, those were some fun, fun times. Amazing Red, that's where he got to shine. It was, it yeah, was, low key. <laughs> yep. But you were collecting the TNA Marvel figures at the time as well, or you still yes. are, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anywhere I find them, although it's a lot harder to find them at like any kind of antique shops around here. Mostly, you kind of have to go to the old finger poke a doom for that uh, <laughs> yep uh, but yeah, i do have the ones i initially collected at the time and most of those were at the uh newark toys and us over there that's by the new park mall mm-hmm. the that, <clears throat> one of my favorite ones was the christopher daniels i forget what series that was in oh yeah so good and it was funny too because i was hoping that when they made them that he would come with the black long jacket that christopher daniels would wear at the yep. time and with the onks on it. And when it came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm applauding it. You know, I was like, I was like so happy. I was like, this is the greatest figure ever. Oh, totally. And they even got like body styles, right? For sure. Like at the beginning, like uh, Daniel's, like, you know, he definitely always had a different body style than, let's say, like an AJ Styles. And the figure represented that. And the playability also represented that. Yeah. Which is kind of a, I feel like it's a little missed with like these figures that are all like exactly the same kind of style yep and also the uh the christian uh in the gold jumpsuit with the nwa oh. title that is so oh, baby that is such an underrated figure and so much uh it's one of the best figures of christian if not the best that i've ever seen and what also one of the coolest things i think christian's ever done again in the Big shot against all odds to finally be world champion. Yeah, it's so cool. How close are you to completing that collection? I am pretty far off, but uh, like I said, I'm kind of one of those guys that uh, just kind of likes the things that I've had. There are things like here and there that I do, like definitely two I got my eyes out on are uh, the Matt Bentley because, you know, Michael Shane, like Mm -hmm. uh, I'm telling you, I'm in this impact deep in this impact plus app and uh michael shane he was the man back then i remember liking him because uh i saw this ring of honor match where it was him and paul london and like the street fight and uh in the end like london does like a shooting star press off the ladder i've never seen it before oh my god it's awesome you know 2004 or something like that and then uh 
So I've always been this Michael Shane fan and uh, also uh, Elix Skipper. Oh, yes. Because uh, uh, I was always more of a WCW guy than a WWE guy. Uh, but uh, just because of the cruiserweights mostly and uh, the undercard action, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what Elix Skipper, I thought was dope. Walking the ropes, doing the Hurricanrata. Uh, he was in Team Canada for a while, and then uh, he's in TNA to, with Triple X, which you know Daniels, Loki. Uh, I, I, I thought that was just a good group too. And then uh, yep. you know the infamous turning point walking the steel cage. You know, sure, it's a high spot, but you know it's pretty cool because it could have gone way wrong. But we're right, so applaud to them. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember watching that man. And, um, as I said, my buddy was over, and we saw Elix Skipper walk that. I'm like. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And he does that funny walk where he's legit like Peter Trotter. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Oops, pardon me. <laughs> yep. And I still remember the day that Impact signed the Dudley Boys. And I just, uh-huh. that was the first time that I ever thought of a dream match of someone. And the Dudleys against AMW because AMW was such an underrated team. Oh, man. Totally. Uh, anytime, like, I got like a 2K and, um, uh, throwing up tag teams from the creative community. I always try to get AMW in there. <laughs> yep. But those were two figures that I was excited to have, you know, just getting um, Chris Harrison. Uh, oh, man. Who was his tag partner? Uh, 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 Chris Harrison and James Storm. James Storm. Wow. Yeah. The one I should remember, you know, but <laughs> but I, I still remember, like, I thought that was just a dream match. I was just, I was going bonkers. I was like, I can't wait for this match. I'm going to be so excited to see this match. And it was a good match. It wasn't anything that, you know, blew me away. But still seeing AMW versus the Dudleys was still like this mecca of a match for me because I was such a huge AMW fan. Totally. I was kind of really, I really dug their vibe because I felt like that, you know, Baby face, stronghold, tag team of the brand, you know, they kind of had like, you know, rockers ask of like, they're just this tag team that's going at it, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, putting in work. And you, at that time, the, you know, tag team scene wasn't that hot in other places. So to have two guys, you know, matching gear, you know, matching entrance gear, uh, it looked legit. And that was kind of missing at that time. Yeah. So those TNA Marvel figures, I always loved, man, those figures in, in the points of articulation on them. I know a lot of people love that because they just, Oh yeah. Yeah. They had these multiple parts of articulation and they were almost like elites before elites. Totally. Totally. And with the accessories or entrance gear, they were, some were soft goods, but most of them were the hard plastic. But... Yep. Uh, Samoa Joe came with that trophy, and I can't remember the name of the trophy, but mm. it's just such good figures. I can't say enough good things about those and such underrated figures because of the likeness, the scale of them, just everything about it. Just awesome, awesome looking figures. I agree. I agree. I think the only two I had the issues with were uh, uh, once you take that uh, Team Canada for PD Williams, like, he worked out great for doing like, you know, Canadian destroyers or like a tilt world Russian leg sweep, but the playability with PD was a little off. And uh, mm-hmm. the other one for me was uh, Chris Saban. Cause I'm a huge Chris Saban, Mark, you know, hail Saban. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, when that toy came out, his gear on it's so dope, but like, his body is a little funny. So uh, <laughs> I felt like that one didn't exactly nail Saban how he, he is in real life. Did you collect the TNA Jax figures? At that point, I kind of knew that they were coming out because for me, it felt like, oh, WWE's not doing Jax anymore. 
because I don't, I'm a, once, you know, the ruthless aggression and classics started, I was all over that randomly too. So, um, but then when TNA went over to Jax, I didn't even know where they're doing it. And it felt really fast for me where they all of a sudden had TNA Jax figures. I was like, oh man, I got to hop on some of these. Mm-hmm. But at the same breath, I think I was kind of uh, probably right around the end of high school and stuff like that. So I probably wasn't collecting as much because I was doing other things, but mm-hmm. um, definitely like, oh, well, let's just pop by in the stores and rest real quick since we're here, you know, let's see what's there. <laughs> uh-huh. and once in a while, I get some good ones. At that time, were you embarrassed to kind of collect or was it like... Uh, you know, I don't think, I think I was just probably putting my money in other places and like, you know, probably CDs or DVDs and thinking, oh, you know, this is, I don't think I was more embarrassed. I think I probably just didn't have time to, you know, unload the guys on the floor and sit cross legged <laughs> style and start playing, you know, yeah. I think and it was more of, uh, oh, hey, you know, this classic's like Ric Flair, that's the dopest Ric Flair I've ever seen. Let me go grab that real quick. Or, Oh, oh old school Triple H where he's a Hunter Hearst Nomsley with a long red coat. That looks cool. I'll grab that. Did you go over to collecting elites right away or did you kind of that time where you're just pausing and pumping the brakes? That's the time where I was kind of pausing and pumping the brakes. I do remember like when they announced it that they're moving over to Mattel, la la la. Um, and then I remember seeing it, but I wasn't really thrilled with them. Mm-hmm. Uh because I did think, you know, I think that's when the price point went up. I'm like, oh, man, 20 bucks for like a figure of 14, whatever it was. I wasn't always so sure to be going. I thought, you know, the 10 spot was perfect. You know, I thought that was a great spot for a figure. Yep. I didn't hop on them initially. There were a couple I did grab. I think there was maybe like a CM Punk one I grabbed and a Shawn Michaels and a Warrior that I grabbed randomly. But mm-hmm. I was never too into those. And still till today, the ones I do grab are like probably just a special like uh, i grabbed the brian kendra because that's like the only one he's got or, like if they have the special uh, different gear to a certain match like i kind of like to have those mm-hmm. uh, like mysterio phantom like i got that one from uh, when he was wrestling eddie guerrero and title versus mask halloween havoc i thought that one was cool yep um so i didn't get straight into elites i'm still not super into elites but uh there are like anytime i see a deal and you know, back in those glory days of those uh, GameSpot $5 weekends, I did end up <laughs> grabbing a couple. <laughs> you can't go wrong <laughs> on that price point right there. Oh, totally. And then some of those ones were amazing. Like the Eric Young is probably one of the most underrated figures, I think. You know, mm-hmm. the TNA guy, right? But uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, that figure with all the tats and the colors, like that figure is a dope figure. That's what we were saying. I mean, unfortunately, it sat on the peg. Same thing with the Nia Jax. I thought the Nia Jax, the face on it was really good. But the Eric Young, man, that was so good. One of my buddies actually pointed out to me on the boot they actually had to kind of fold down the tongue. So they had to do new tooling just for his boots. <laughs> and so it was like, oh my God, you know? But yeah, it was, that's some work. Tell me about it. But like you said, it was such an underrated figure. So good. Um, yeah. Outside of Mattel Elites, are you collecting anything else? Because there's five companies that are in the pot right now. So we have New Japan with Super 7. We've got Boss Fight. we got the AEW. Are you going to be grabbing any of those when they those come out? Uh, I do think I probably would grab a couple here and there. It's like very selective, like very, uh, 
I wouldn't say picky, but I would say selective with what I'm grabbing. Like if I grab a, uh, one of the new Japans, I think I'd have to grab a, like a Naito or with all the accessories and all the different things. That just looks cool to have. Mm-hmm. MOC, like don't nobody look at it. Don't even touch it. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, it'd be cool to have one of those. Um, definitely uh, got my eye on some figures. Toy Company, um, big, huge Alex Wright mark not even kidding uh like i when he was kind of up he was like the uh, new heel who like won the cruiserweight title then he beat ultimo and then they won the tv titles like oh dude this guy's dope i love alex <laughs> right yep and even to this day uh, still kind of i always like to wear uh boot laces that match my gear and that's a kind of like a thing that alex right always used to do so i always thought that was really cool so kind of made that stick with me in my uh actual wrestling part of it i got my eye on that one when it drops Uh, and let's see i think that's all i'm getting into now um and then every now and then i'll hop on facebook marketplace and that's kind of a place where i was able to score uh the evolution of sting wcw um the the uh, six figures the the toy biz oh yeah and uh the person who had it didn't know what they had and only dropped it down for like you know 40 bucks so i hopped on that (laughs) <laughs> whoa box is a little beat up you know, a little beat up but to have it and to say i have it especially at a time when i was younger uh, at that time i saw it in the store but like oh mom's not gonna go for buying this big old box set compared to just getting one for cheaper you know right so to right. have that one was kind of like kind of like a holy grail piece to have in the collection especially for a cheap price of a marketplace I'm glad you've had good luck, man. I've been looking out here for wrestling figures on the marketplace for I don't know how long, man. And I, nothing out here at least, but I'm happy to hear that you got something. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's always like very randomly. Like recently, uh, I just uh, hit up the marketplace, I think maybe two weeks ago for some BCAs because, uh, you know, I thought I was cool back in the day. Pop off the red X Pac, you know, his head off and put it on a RA figure. Oh, it'll work out great. But it didn't. <laughs> so I ruined that X Pac. And I was like, my my dude and my figure fed. So uh, I came across him and a couple other guys too. So, market, especially with the eBay prices that are like skyrocketing like crazy now. Yes. I think that like if you find a marketplace where it's a lot or, you know, finding where people don't know what they have and are just trying to get rid of it, that's where you kind of want to be compared to the people who are trying to you know, hike those prices up right now. Oh man, it's brutal right now. I've actually had a couple of people message me and tell me that people are not paying on auctions. So auctions are selling for X amount of bucks and people aren't paying on them. And then Yeah, the, just to drive up the price. Yep, yep, exactly. So uh Scott and I had talked about this uh, this past week, but uh hopefully that's not the case. But if it is, we're just kind of wait this out for about seven months and then hopefully things will go back to normal. Not only in the world, but in the world of collecting figures. But it's funny, you mentioned popping the head off of X-Pac, man. Like, I hear of all these people that used to pop the heads off or remove the arms or whatever it was. Scott and I were like, oh, man, we can't do that. You know, when Pate got scoffed on our LJNs, man, we were just like, oh, crap, crap. We got to get a Sharpie and fill it in or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely found out very fast that uh, for BCAs, that was not going to be my bag. That wasn't going to be good. I actually got pretty good at uh, the Ruthless Aggression ones. And still this day, I was going to release like this series of like all these wacky customs I made. Like 
I've got a Steve Carino I made out of a Ric Flair, you know. Uh, uh, so I got all these random customs that uh, I think would be fun to post one day. <laughs> so you mentioned to me last night that you might be going into collecting belts. Oh, you know, I think if I ever uh, find enough courage to pull that trigger, I think I will because uh, I've been seeing, like, I think it actually started back to when the last time you met the. I think it was the Rock and Roll Express, and you had that really dope NWA tag title. Yep. And I never thought about it before, but to think, like, how cool would that be? You know, not only are the belts, like, beautiful and, like, so cool, and, like, what's the coolest thing to have in wrestling? A belt. Yeah. Like, and then to have, like, the people who have held that belt, like, sign it, and that kind of coolness, that little wink of the eye of, like, oh, hey, you kind of were with me when I held this belt, and you were with me on this run I had. You know, <laughs> yep. you know, heads up for you, you know, I kind of dig that. So I'm kind of toying with that idea. And then also a guy who's out from the West Coast, uh, West Coast Designs. I know he does some uh, custom belts and uh, is doing some inquiries about that. So I was kind of toying with the idea of having that just to kind of like maybe uh, have some kind of record of all the cool things I've done in wrestling on a belt. But uh, haven't gotten to that point yet. Haven't pulled the trigger, but it's definitely on the mind. So if you can, can you describe the APW Internet Championship that you held? Because if you go around the independent scene, there are people that have, you know, belts out there. And they're, they're cool looking. Like I mentioned to you last night, somebody had the old school U.S. title that Nikita held, Luger held, uh, Barry Windham held. And it's cool looking. It's one of my favorite belts, but like... There are some independent promotions that put so much into their belts that they have right now. Can you describe that APW Internet Championship? Because both you and I last night were talking about it, and it's still one of my favorite independent belts to this day. Totally. So, uh, yeah. So, right off the bat, when you see it, purple strap. A purple strap on the belt. And the cool thing about that is, I don't know. Speaking, I grew up, 1987 is when I was born. So growing up in the 80s, 90s wrestling era, like, what's the coolest thing? Like, Ultimate Warrior, Hogan, you know, Ultimate Warrior had these coolest, like, different color strap. And I never really even saw him come out with them, per se. Or I don't remember him coming out with them. But I do remember, like, going to the video store and seeing Warrior on there. He's got a different color title strap, but it's the same strap. I always remember seeing that and thinking that was cool. But yeah, Warrior came out with these really cool looking titles. And then here you go to this indie company where, uh, boom, they've got a cool color strap on the title. And even the detailing on the plate was reminiscent to what that belt represents. Because back in the old school APW days, the reason why it was called the APW Internet title was because those title matches would eventually end up online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now everything ends up online, whether it be a, a Instagram video or like a YouTube video. But yep. uh, back then it was kind of a specialty thing. So it kind of had this extra prestige to it because that match is good enough for them to go through and post it to the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that belt and like it had the computer on it and then it's an internet title. So the internet with a computer on the decal, it just looks so cool. And uh, yeah, especially compared to all the other titles kind of around at the time, like, don't get me wrong. I'm at, I kind of wrestle out of NorCal. So, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the 
you know, sticker covered title, but, you know, <laughs> as far as uniqueness and uh, kind of like just really well-crafted titles, that APW internet title is such an honor to have at the time and kind of so cool to hold, especially knowing like the heritage behind it and yeah. uh, refing matches where I, you know, I've held up that title before, like uh, I ref the match with like Psychosis and Mr. Primetime and as the ref and holding up internet title at the Bakersfield Dome. Like I always remember that was a goal of mine to try and be good enough to capture that belt. And uh, luckily uh, one night at Halloween hell I was. So that was a really rad night. And anybody can do a Google search, just Google search Matt Carlos APW internet championship. And I can, I'll post it to uh, when I upload the show, but it's just the belt was so unique looking it's and as i said in the question it was one of my favorite independent belts ever like it's just the uniqueness of it and i loved it same here yeah so what are some of your favorite belts um my favorite belts i everyone's gonna say winged eagle so i'll throw that one out there right off the bat love the winged eagle Mm -hmm. um always a big fan of the 90s like intercontinental title the old school one i think like you know piper bret hart mr perfect like owen hart like rock those days and that old school one yeah and kind of like more nowadays i'm kind of even like in that like 98 like triple h rock uh intercontinental title too yep um another favorite is the uh undisputed title that uh it was like the brock lesnar kurt angle eddie guerrero title excellent i always liked that one and then as far as old school ones i always loved the nwa title because it looks so different than every every other title out there you know the big gold belt yeah oh well that one too uh but then the uh the like harley race world nwa world heavyweight title too. oh yeah the one that comes with the christian figure Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. So before we wrap up, man, you also wrestle for Hood Slam. Oh, yeah. Hood Slam is very unique. It's a very uh, interesting promotion, <laughs> to say the yes. least. Can you describe Hood Slam in one word? Hmm. For me, over the years, Hood Slam, one word, I would say fun. Because in a wrestling world, not to get too caught up with current events today, but in a wrestling world where like so many negatives can happen, you hear about so many politics and so many backstage things. I have never, not once, not ever experienced anything like that at Hood Slam because everyone thinks, oh, well, it's kind of like a more of an adult 21 and older crowd, but in a bar, but. Um, I don't think I've ever ex- experienced a live crowd like that mm-hmm. um, that comes so alive. And it's not like we're doing anything. Well, I guess we can't say we're doing anything too crazy because we just let it kind of fly with our creative juices. Yep. But hood slam and word one word would be fun because there's no egos, no politics, none of that. It's just guys who are out there who love wrestling and just go out there and perform what they want or what they have gathered up to be wrestling and how they want to introduce it today. Kind of like more of an art sense than a, um, like you kind of make your own art and here's how it is. You don't want to see, you don't want to go to the movies and watch the same movie over and over and over again. You want to see this genre, this different genre, this guy, but he's in this genre of a movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's kind of fun to mix it up that way and creatively, 
stick with our audience as far as not trying to downplay what we're giving them and kind of keeping it fun for everybody. And also that little wink of the eye we give with everyone is also kind of fun. One of my favorite things about the Hood Slam is uh, I always kind of feel like, you know, growing up in the 90s, one of the coolest things was like Wayne's World, right? Wayne's World. You go down to their basement, you're hopping down there, you got the host, they're telling you about all the cool things uh, that's going on in the world. I kind of feel like Hood Slam with, you know, Brosif, AJ, uh, Brosif Brody, mm-hmm. uh, he kind of brings you out down into the basement of our underground wrestling world and he introduces you to all these characters, what they're about and why we're doing what we're doing to make it fun for, you know, the traditional wrestler who's coming to see either wrestling or maybe a name that we're bringing in and also the casual fans where in the city of Oakland, there's so much traffic coming through the downtown Oakland of like, uh, you know, young kids, old kids, people are just out trying to have a good time. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're trying to provide out there. And, uh, been doing it for almost 10 plus years here. So, uh, had to be doing something right, especially at a time, not to go too long, but especially at a time where like you were there, like indie shows were lucky if they had 40 people yep. that weren't, you know, girlfriends or, uh, you know, video people or, you know, brothers, sisters. Uh, but to be a part of Hood Slam at the beginning when, well, not the very beginning, I did come on maybe a year in, mm-hmm. but to see when we were in the warehouse and, you know, filled with 60 people, and then to be rocking these shows where at the Oakland Metro in Oakland, it's wall to wall people. And like, just to get to the bathroom, it's going to take you 20 minutes <laughs> because you have to move around and uh, serpentine through all the people. And, you know, and the cool thing about it is there isn't anybody who's staying in your way or trying to push you around. Like everyone's there to have a good time and everyone's there to have fun uh so uh i think if you're there to do that and you kind of allow yourself to be uh brought down into the basement of our war wrestling world i think you'll find a good time somewhere in there yep and your character is ryu from street fighter correct that is actually the character i was probably most known for at hood slam i uh did do uh i'm probably most famous for ryu from street fighter uh Back in the original Hood Slam, it was very heavily video game based. Yep. But as we kind of grew popular and uh, kind of grew with a little more exposure, um, we kind of changed, started changing things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a little while, I was doing a, a Back to the Future based character, Marty McFlux, who was <laughs> uh, basically just me dressed up in some Marty McFly gear. <laughs> so I always um, love Back to the Future, so I was all over that. Uh-huh. Um, but most recently, uh, the gimmick I've been doing around places is the hidden gem, Matt Carlos. And uh, kind of funny story on that. I think it scratches my memory, but I could have sworn at one show at APW, I was talking with you because I believe you dropped me uh, a fully posable card. Does that sound like something you would do? I might have had a sticker. Not a, okay. Not a business card. That I, I remember talking to you, but I don't ever remember dropping a card to any wrestler. The only one I've ever given a sticker to was uh, Colt Cabana in Chicago. Okay, so I might have seen either a card or a sticker or something of your guys' podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of one of the things that sparked it. Because at that time, like, I had my run as, like, 
out of control, Matt Carlos. And I was, you know, just this happy young kid, you know, happy to be there. And then uh, eventually my character uh, evolved into magnificent Matt Carlos, who is this cocky heel who teamed up with Rick Luxury and Marcus Mack to form Pink Mink Inc. Um, <laughs> yep. And we had that run for a good little minute. Uh, but then eventually that group kind of disbanded. And then after that, I was kind of just left in the middle of doing, you know, am I out of control? Am I, you know, magnificent? What am I doing here? Like, <laughs> and then I think I remember talking to you about like just either figures or collecting or the reason why you buy the figures because of how much they stick out as their characters. Right. And that was a ringing thing for me of like, okay, well you just can't go out there doing what you've been doing. People have already collected that figure. You've yep. got to do something new now. You've got to come out with the next series. Yep. So people stay interested. And uh, I think the cool thing about doing the hidden gem for me is when I was first coming out doing Out of Control, I was trying to impress everybody. I was trying to just keep people happy uh, doing what they want me to do. As, uh, you know, as Magnificent Matt Carlos, I just listened to what the boss told me what to do. I listened to the man, our manager. He called the shots. I did what we wanted to do. But as far as the hidden gem, I feel like I'm not that young kid anymore. I'm not the lackey who's just being told what to do. With the hidden gem, I kind of see it almost like that child actor who was like, had so many opportunities when he was younger and then kind of goes down through this spiral and now he's resurfacing, but not as the image you knew him as, mm -hmm. but as this image that is more closer to who he is in real life. And me in real life is, uh, you know, I love music. I love wrestling. I like having a good time. So <laughs> now when I have my entrance i have this almost glorified like rocking out dancing to the music lost in my own world entrance and that's just to bring everybody else in to get them comfortable with the style of wrestling they're about to see i know it's all very uh, long-winded and intricate but uh as far as uh, i've never been happier doing that uh, than what i'm doing now i've got a killer song from the hood slam band that i come out to uh, and uh I'm just thrilled with, although we're not doing wrestling now since March, but uh, I haven't been happier than I am doing Hidden Gem because I've also been able to brand that out to other places where like uh, at Virtual Friend Productions in Sacramento, I was able to take that and create a tag team with Joe the Soul. We became tag team champions, the first ever tag team champions for Virtual Friend mm -hmm. Productions. And uh, that's a, you know, rest in peace. He holds a special place in my heart. And then we were also go able to go over to East Bay and have a great little run with the tag team title scene over there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of excited because I was able to branch this out. My idea of things I want to do, the music I want to come out to, how I want to wrestle, how I want to present myself. And, you know, I think for a, a while, people were looking at it like, what is this guy doing? Like, why is he taking three minutes just to get into the ring? But <laughs> I think once you realize the seeds I'm planting, you kind of get to realize the garden of wrestling you're about to uh, watch, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it, man. I really do. Like, how long, like, how did you come up with the progression of the character? Like, were you just, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like, just joking around I, and thinking at work, I just came to me of saying, longest running episodic wrestling figure podcast, you know, stuff like that. But where did it come to you to kind of develop in the progression? Were you at work? Were you in the car just driving, sitting in traffic, Bay Area traffic? Or were you... <laughs> <laughs> or were you just kicking it one night and just like, I've got this idea? 
I think it was a more longs of the latter because, of course, I'm always thinking about it. I never drive to work at work, thinking about, you know, what I could plan out, what I could do. But I think it was just more over time of like, and kind of almost half real to what I'm going through. Like, I feel like obviously, you know, everyone's made different shapes, different sizes. And in that case, pardon me, I'm not the biggest. Um, you know, I might be the handsomest, but definitely not the biggest or buff the stuffest. Um, so I kind of got to make that work out for me. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, maybe you're going to the store to buy all these uh, cool new figures. But every now and then you're not even looking for it. But there it is, that hidden gem of the collection and you hook them, you grab that one right away. So you might not be coming to the shows because you know I'm there, but definitely by the end of the night, you will know why you're going to want to pick up that figure. I I love it, man. And, and by the way, the hidden gem is one of my favorite nicknames for an independent wrestler. I thought that was very well done. I thought it was very clever coming up with the hidden gem. I always thought that was Thank great. You. Very well done, sir. I applaud you on that one. Thank you, especially in a world where there's so much talent. And I'm not saying that anyone else is less talented. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, hey, if you do come over here, you're going to see something creative. You're going to see something different. And you're going to have fun, you know? Yep. And when this is all lifted and everything's back to normal life, what's what's next? Are you going to are you gonna start hitting more promotions? Are you going to travel further down south? What's next? Um, I'm definitely going to play it by ear. Um, I kind of want to see where things go because as as of right now, as we're speaking today, I haven't heard of anything starting back up or anything Mm -hmm. uh, getting there. But, uh, you know, as they always say, you got to kind of try to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So uh, given the opportunities, you know, I still got my car, still got my passport. I'm still ready to do anything. Um, So uh, I'm an open book and I'm always down to do whatever whether it be a road trip or somewhere local close by, let's just hope that the world is at peace by the time we're uh, getting about doing that. Nice, man. So before we wrap this up, I'm going to hit you with a chair on this one. Favorite figure of all time. Oh, baby. All right. Let's see. Favorite figure of all time. Hmm. I'm thinking, thinking, thinking. (laughs) (laughs) The hidden gem macho man, Matt Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually done that at Slam before, too. <laughs> um, you know, uh, kind of a random one, but one I always really liked because I thought the likeness of it, like, kind of matched uh, Jeff Hardy as, like, the Jeff Hardy Adrenaline 2. Uh, or maybe it was, like, the first Adrenaline, where he comes out with the white pants, the painted face. Because, you know, there's so many, like, brood-style, Hardy Boy-style Jeffs. Mm-hmm. But to have that one to, like, start out when there wasn't so many like that out, I thought that one was cool. And uh, Good figure, good figure. Yeah. And I would say probably the one that holds the most is probably my BCA Owen Hart. Because, like, I'm sure everyone did this, but once Owen Hart cut his hair in real life around the stampede, uh, the Canadian stampede, just like my figure, dude, that hair went flying. So I clipped that off. So I've got a, I've replaced him <laughs> since with a more minty one, but I do have the, uh, my cut hair Owen Hart. That's probably my favorite figure because 
he's seen so many intercontinental title reigns, European title reigns, tag team title reigns. And uh, <laughs> I'm just in general, a big, big Owen Hart mark. So uh, that's probably my favorite is the Owen Hart, uh, uh, BCA cut hair. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, you guys are so ballsy cutting stuff and removing stuff. Oh, Scott and I are just, we couldn't do it, man. Scott did a custom of a Hogan, uh, old San Francisco toy maker. And, <laughs> and if Scott never did a custom again, it would be great. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was terrible, man. And Scott, I, even... I, I wish I had the sense because going back, I would never have done it either. But you know, now it's like, <laughs> oh, well, this is just in my piece. It's a special piece for me. It's a one of one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I am going to wrap this show up. One, thank you very much. It's I've been excited to do this show with you. I've no, I've kind of bugged you a couple times but uh i wanted to really do this show with you i thought it would be a lot of fun actually you know what before we sign off where can people get your merch where can people find you where can uh people see you all right sick so if you go on to instagram or twitter you could find me at that matt carlos and if you're looking for me on the book of faces you can find me at uh, the Hidden Gem, Matt Carlos. That's my uh, wrestler profile page on there. And then if you're looking for merch, I got three pretty sweet T-shirts up on Pro Wrestling Tees backslash that Matt Carlos. There's a Star Wars influence one. There's a, um, a couple of few shirts designs up there. So uh, you can take a look on there. And I also believe coming up pretty shortly maybe before this airs and we're not sure on time though uh, there's a fourth of july sale coming up so look out for that too if you want to grab some merch yeah and that's uh that's pretty much it thanks man that you know as i as i was originally saying i know i've bugged you a couple times but i was really looking forward to talking to you and uh sitting down and thank you for making time to sit down man this is uh this was a lot of fun i appreciate you doing this for sure. I want to say thank you to you. And honestly, you're not bugging me at all because anytime you can find someone who finds that love of wrestling that you do and that passion that you do, you know, in a world where it's so crazy and it's so hard for people to get along, like if we could sit here and talk about wrestling for an hour or two, like that's super fine with me because it feels like it's way better than all the other things going on in the crazy world, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things that you can just sit back and Oh, remember this or remember when uh Paul Orndorff turned on Hogan? You know, you just start going into reminiscing about old school stuff, current day stuff. There's so much to history to the sport of wrestling and then you being actually in it and stuff you've seen, the stuff you've been through. You know, it, it's so much fun. It's so much fun just hearing the stories from you collecting in the ring, like you're talking about the progression of your character. That's great, man. And I, I love hearing it. I could sit back and just listen to you talk all day about it. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Maybe we'll do another one, do a round two or a round table or something with everybody. That'd be fun. Well, I'm hoping to get you and uh, Tony Vargas over here for a live one. So, Oh, that would be great. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get some pizza and we'll have some fun. So, Oh, but that'd be sick. I actually ran into him over at the union city collectible shop, uh, comic and figure addicts over there i ran into him i think maybe once or twice he's with his uh kid <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to get to the figures before you are oh i don't know i know where they're going you know <laughs> <laughs> well matt thank you so much man oh no problem thank you jeff i appreciate it Yeah. Fully posable. 
Let's go! Jeff and Scott, the Tomb Brothers, busting out the ring. But we don't take it out the box, MOC. Happy toy hunting, we'll see you next week. We're the OGs of WFP. Fully poseable, thank you all for listening. It ain't no storyline, real life siblings. So everybody go and do your toy spotting. Hashtag Fig Life, adios from the Kings.